Welcome to this episode of CDM Media's Solution Spotlight. I'm happy to be joined today by Chris Kubik, CISO from Fidelis Cybersecurity. Chris has been with Fidelis for just shy of a year, but spent 32 years with the National Security Agency. If you aren't familiar with Fidelis, they have a great tagline, detect, hunt, respond, network detection and response, digital forensics and incident response to hunt down threats that evade traditional security solutions. Today's topic, the new normal, ensuring enterprise security for a remote workforce. As millions of people began to work from home earlier this year with the onset of the COVID-19 outbreak, malicious actors started targeting remote workers and phishing and scam emails and attacking the remote access applications, services, and endpoints deployed to support remote employees. As enterprises extended their systems and IT environments to a larger volume of remote workers, the potential attack services that adversaries could exploit increased exponentially. Now that it is apparent that the majority of the workforce will remain remote, what are the security needs that should be considered in this new normal? When we come back, Chris Kubik will dive into this and so much more. Chris, thanks for joining us again. It's a pleasure to be with you today, JD. Let's start with a general refresher on what enterprises should consider for a secure remote workforce. Well, thanks, JD, and, and that sounds like a great place to start. Uh, really, there's, there's several things that need to be considered. Uh, however, the considerations tend to be very architecture dependent, uh, meaning, you know, many organizations have rolled out a traditional VPN-based remote access architecture where they have corporately managed laptops to and they provide the laptops to their employees. However, you know, others have gone down other paths, such as virtual desktop infrastructures uh, or even allowing their employees to use their personally owned device devices to, to gain remote access into their corporate environment and to perform their kind of business functions. Um, but it really breaks down to whether or not your employees are using a corporately managed endpoint or, you know, whether they have a personally owned device. And assuming that they're working from a corporately managed endpoint, um, really what you need to focus on here is protecting and monitoring those endpoint devices as they can be much more exposed in a work at home environment. Uh, you know, one way to enhance the monitoring and protection of these devices is through uh, endpoint detection and response, um, which uh, gives your security operations teams a fantastic insight into the remote manageability of your endpoints. Um, EDR goes well beyond kind of the traditional antivirus capabilities, giving you the ability to perform digital forensic and incident response of remote devices, which is really critical in the distributed work at home environment. Uh, beyond EDR, uh, you know, it would certainly be nice to think that we all accounted for the pandemic in our business continuity and disaster recovery plans, but uh, really, uh, you know, a few of us were prepared for this shift, you know, kind of really almost overnight to, to deploy and scale our remote access solutions for our employees. Uh, you know, given the rush to get something out there and the expectation that this would only be, you know, we'd only be working from home for a few months, uh, a lot of stopgap uh, kind of measures, architectures uh, were deployed, put in place, and, and may not be as robust as we would have liked. Um, so it's, it's good to continually reassess where you are in securing your work at home architecture and, and really reset your corporate priorities as needed to, to ensure that you're, you know, continually improving the security of your work at home architectures for the long haul, you know, if you're not already there. Let's go on with the discussion on providing remote access for employees, of which there are several options for work at home environments. 
Since it seems like VPNs are the most prevalent solution out there, let's focus on what considerations need to be made for this environment. Can you share a little bit more on the benefit of split tunneling as well as any potential aspects of split tunneling that would need some special considerations? Uh, yeah, sure thing. Uh, you know, and I certainly would agree that traditional VPN solution is certainly the most prevalent out there, at least in the, the, the folks that I've talked to. Um, and when talking about a traditional VPN-based solution, there are, you know, lots of trade-offs between performance and security and reliability that need to be considered uh, when standing up or reconfiguring your VPN to support your work-at-home employees. Uh, the biggest consideration in my mind is whether or not uh, to route all your traffic from remote endpoints back to the corporate infrastructure or to operate in, as you, you mentioned, split tunneling uh, mode, where, where some of the traffic is routed to the corporate infrastructure and some traffic bypasses the VPN and takes a, sh a shortcut directly into the internet. Um, you know, routing all the endpoint traffic back to the corporate infrastructure certainly has its security benefits. Uh, you know, as all of your corporate cybersecurity and compliance monitoring capabilities are in play, uh, however, it, it essentially doubles the traffic flowing uh, through your corporate network boundaries, uh, you know, as all of your user traffic needs to flow through the corporate boundary, you know, over the VPN, you know, um, you know, the internet bound traffic has to then flow back out, you know, across that corporate boundary and all the return traffic has to come back through the corporate boundary and then ultimately back back out through the VPN. Um, so, so while you have a lot of uh, benefits of uh, Split tunneling, tunneling the, uh, you know, uh, you have to be concerned about the performance and the availability um, for this traffic. Um, um, but, you know, the big benefit is, uh, you know, with more of our corporate services shifting to the cloud, you know, whether it's Office 365 or your cloud-based video teleconferencing, CRM services, cloud-based storage, you know, on and on and on, uh, you know, split tunneling really becomes very attractive from a performance and reliability standpoint, um, you know, but it's certainly for security professional, professionals like myself, that, that certainly raises the hair in the back of my neck. Uh, so, you know, bottom line here is if you're implementing split tunnel VPN, you know, you uh, will want to look at the VPN routing policy very carefully to ensure you understand exactly what traffic is authorized to bypass your corporate infrastructure and the associated monitoring that you have in your corporate infrastructure. Uh, you need to also ensure, you know, once again, that your endpoints are robustly protected against the internet-based threats uh, because they are much more exposed to the internet since, uh, you know, some of this traffic is, is uh, you know, flowing uh, to and from the internet um, and bypassing your corporate boundaries. Um, so once again, you know, I suggest that folks take a, a close look at EDR capabilities to address this, this gap. And then, you know, kind of finally on along these lines, uh, you know, a lot of folks are looking into zero trust architectures. These are gaining a lot of uh, kind of traction and popularity for these types of hybrid corporate cloud environments. Uh, but they can also be complex to put in place. But, um, you know, given the complexity, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of customers that are starting to kind of roll this out as part of kind of phase two at their work at home infrastructure and their efforts to kind of further harden those those work at home architectures. Um, and uh, you know, uh, zero trust architecture is also gaining a lot of popularity for these types of hybrid corporate cloud environments, but can be complex to put in place. Um, I'm starting to see customers uh, roll out zero trust as part of their efforts to improve the security of their work at home infrastructures as uh, they look at what's necessary to, to really carry them through for the long haul. Um, there are also lots of great, uh, I'll call them zero trust like um, capabilities out there, things like data protection and conditional access features that are available in Office 365 and other cloud-based services that can uh, better help to secure and manage access to your corporate applications and data. 
Any additional thoughts on VPNs before we talk about the new cyber threats brought on by the global pandemic? Oh, sure thing. Uh, you know, a few final thoughts, uh, you know, depending on the size of your organization and the availability requirements for your remote workers, uh, geographically dispersed VPN access points where you have, uh, you know, in, in ideal world, diverse internet uh, providers uh, is something to consider uh, just to get that additional availability. Um, it's also, uh, you know, ultra critical uh, that you keep your VPN servers and the services uh, up to date as, and, and well patched. There, there's numerous CVs related to, to VPNs, and these are regularly exploited by cyber criminals and nation state actors to gain remote access to your corporate infrastructure. Uh, it's also, uh, you know, I also recommend that, that folks kind of turn up... Uh, uh, you know, kind of their cybersecurity and performance monitoring of their VPN servers notch just to enable you to quickly detect attacks against your VPN infrastructure. And then finally, if you don't already have two-factor authentication in place for your VPN, I would highly recommend uh, implementing it to prevent, you know, uh, stolen, lost, or guest uh, login credentials from being used to gain remote access to your corporate infrastructure. Okay, so say you figured out the best plan to secure in your VPNs or other remote environments. What should leadership look out for in terms of new cyber threats and what the enemy is focusing on now, especially as it looks as though remote work is here to stay for the majority of the workforce and our current state has been called the new normal? Uh, yeah, uh, back, in, back in March when uh, Fidelis first went into remote work along with the majority of the enterprises out there, you know, I kind of fully expected cyber criminals to take advantage of the situation and, and attempt to exploit, you know, the, really the seams that we've created in our defenses by, you know, rapidly rolling out these new remote access solutions and, and just the, really the distributed nature of our workforce. And, and, you know, I can say that they, they certainly did take advantage of it. Uh, our Fidelis uh, threat research team saw a rapid change in adversary tactics, techniques, and procedures, uh, you know, or TTPs, and we continually see them evolve their TTPs as the pandemic rolls on. Uh, we initially saw a ramp up in phishing and social engineering attacks uh, at the onset of the outbreak. Uh, and those attacks have not lessened up over the last several months. Um, while phishing is certainly not a new cybersecurity concern, um, with an increase of folks spending more time online, exposure to phishing attacks has really uh, greatly increased. Uh, and then additionally, uh, depending on your remote access architecture, you know, in particular with respect to split tunneling, uh, the technologies you have in place to uh, filter and detect phishing attacks on your corporate network may not be in the communications path for your remote workers, leaving them more vulnerable. Uh, once again, uh, you know, this is where an EDR solution deployed to your remote user laptops fills the gap by allowing your endpoints to detect and respond to malicious activity, including phishing attacks. Uh, EDR also helps with incident response should a device, you know, become um, compromised or infected. Uh, since the shift uh, to uh, work at home posture, um, it's never a bad idea to, to really regularly remind your employees, uh, uh, you know, uh, of your corporate policies related to online activities, your expectation for proper online behavior and etiquette, and tips for staying safe online. You know, for instance, uh, you know, don't click on the links in the email or open an email attachment from an unknown or untrusted source. Uh, you also want to reiterate what they should do if they receive a suspicious email. You know, should they delete the message? Should they forward it to your security operations team, et cetera? Uh, you know, the key here is to try and make it as easy as possible for employees to report suspicious emails and activities to increase the likelihood that they'll reach out to your security operations team if, if something just doesn't look right to them. 
Okay, let's say that despite having a well thought out phishing awareness campaign across the enterprise and regular reminders on expectations and policies, an employee clicks on a malicious link in an email is now infected their laptop. What security measures should a CISO already have in place for this situation? Uh, and that's a great follow-on question. You know, attacks against an employee's uh, work-at-home laptop, really, um, you know, through a phishing social engineering attack, really provides that initial foothold for the attacker and can allow them to, to swim upstream, so to speak, into your corporate networks. So you need a plan for how you will be able to uh, remotely respond to an incident, perform digital forensics to detect, uh, determine the extent of the infection, and remediate the infected devices. Um, and, and once again, this is where an EDR solution really shines. Uh, you know, the EDR uh, agents deployed uh, to your remote worker devices will enable your security operations personnel to, to quickly determine the extent of the infection. Is it just this one laptop? Is it now spread across multiple laptops or other parts of your infrastructure? You know, quarantine and clean up the infected machines and, and then bring those device, devices or machines back online, you know, all remotely, which is important since uh, we're all working remotely. Uh, EDR solutions should also provide um, automated uh, or automation features to enable your security operations team to remotely and globally change the device configurations and deploy updated cybersecurity detections and response rules to your uh, EDR agents, allowing you to deploy synchronized changes across your distributed assets in response to an intrusion or you know, due to an emerging cybersecurity threat. So building off on what you just mentioned, what should be considered when developing and or revising your enterprise's security SOP for the new normal? Well, related to you know uh, SOPs or standard operating procedures, uh, you need to ensure that they've been updated to support work at home and remote uh, monitoring management of your infrastructure. Um, and, and for folks that already have a large mobile remote workforce before the pandemic, uh, you know their, their SOPs uh, may already cover work at home and remote management of the infrastructure. But you know for those that that weren't in that place um, and haven't really you know kind of worked through that yet. Uh, you know, now's a good time to really verify, verify that your SOPs cover your remote employees. Um, and, uh, you know, if the SOPs don't cover work at home and remote management of your infrastructure, then you need to extend those procedures so that you have clear and repeatable processes for supporting your remote operations. Uh, this is especially important now as your operations team is no longer sitting side by side in the office where they can kind of pivot in their chairs to work out a solution on the fly. So more specific to that point, what types of organizational revamping BYOD or bring your own device policies are needed in this new normal? Uh, well, I've touched on this a little bit already. Uh, you know, some companies are leveraging their employees' personally owned devices to support their business operations. And I, and I would also say that, that even companies that provide a completely managed, uh, you know, laptop to their employees are increasingly using BYO devices, you know, just because the smartphones that are available today are, are so capable uh, that employees can do almost everything they need to do, uh, you know, from a smartphone that they're carrying around with them. And this certainly makes it, uh, you know, much more convenient for our employees to stay on top of their emails and, um, you know, kind of stay in touch with their, uh, you know, peers and, and um, you know, uh, customers as we all work remotely. And we certainly want to make it easy as we can for them to, to work from home or wherever it happened to be. Um, so with uh, BYODs, um, unfortunately, you lose much of the visibility into how your data is protected on the end devices, and, and you need to change strategies a bit and focus more on protecting and controlling access to the corporate data and services versus protecting and controlling the end devices themselves. 
Uh, and this is where data protection, conditional access, and zero trust really comes into play. These, you know, these technologies uh, allow you to set the conditions under which you know, data and services are uh, accessed and shared and allow you to make risk management decisions on a transaction by transaction basis about you know, what data you're willing to share with a BYOD or a third party partner device. Uh, in many cases, uh, uh, the data protections and data policies can also be pushed into the applications running on the BYOD device and enforced locally within the device. So, you know, while you, you, you know, lose the insight into the end devices themselves, you can still enforce a corporate policy on the data that you share. Now that we've been in this new normal, I'm using air quotes here, this new normal since March, and you've implemented some or all of these security practices yourself at Fidelis and have aided other companies with the shift. What can you share as security lessons learned over the last several months? Uh, well, I think the, the biggest lesson learned, um, and, I've, and I've already touched on this a little bit uh, earlier, is that, that companies need to continually reassess their work at home security architectures and policies and determine if it's sufficiently robust to carry your company through the pandemic. Um, and if it's not, obviously, they need to make the necessary investments to bring it up to par. Um, you know, as we discussed earlier, the initial work at home architectures were put in place quickly and were viewed as a temporary, you know, two, maybe three month um, solution. Um, and given that uh, work at home is now the new normal and, and many of us will be staying in the work at home posture for the foreseeable future, uh, you know, we really need to make the necessary investments to secure our work at home architectures. Uh, in addition, uh, you know, and I, and I continually uh, beat this drum, cybersecurity hygiene remains critical. Uh, you know, even though the office doors are locked, uh, the equipment in your data center is still humming away and, and needs care and feeding to ensure the systems stay up to date and are properly patched. Uh, unpatched systems uh, continue to be one of the top attack vectors used by cyber criminals and nation state actors. And, uh, you know, cyber criminals are certainly opportunistic and, uh, you know, continue to take advantage of the situation. And, and quite frankly, we just can't let that happen. So I encourage you to continue to be diligent with your updates and patches. Um, and, and once again, uh, you know, starting to sound like a broken record here, but, um, you know, I kind of strongly believe in EDR um, and, you know, its ability to really uh, assist, uh, you know, in, in not only the incident response types of things and, and you know, enhanced detections, but it, they're also very good at, uh, uh, helping you to kind of generate inventory of the software that's loaded on your endpoints and, and being able to bounce that up against CVEs to, to understand, uh, you know, how you're doing from an update and patch standpoint uh, across uh, your endpoints. Uh, uh, in addition, EDR can be used to report, you know, other threat indicators such as, you know, a user doing excessive reading and writing to USB devices or just excessive processor and disk utilization that could be an uh, indicator of an ongoing attack. Um, you know, this reporting enables your security operations team to, to really track your exposure to threats in real time and coordinate remediation of unpatched devices. Um, you know, I've focused uh, primarily on addressing challenges related to work at home. However, when it comes to cyber security hygiene, you know, this applies, you know, across the board to all our business critical systems, websites, VPNs, as well as any of the supporting infrastructures that enable us to continue to support our customers through throughout the uh, pandemic. And then I would, um, I would also recommend that you kind of review your business workflows, particularly those uh, related to work at home employees accessing sensitive data, just to verify that the workflow continues to meet your compliance and data protection requirements. Uh, once again, you know, any shortcuts we took in the early days of rolling out work at home solutions really need to be addressed for the long haul. 
um, and and certainly looking back at, at how you're you're uh, you know managing and then protecting that sensitive data is is a key part of that. And then finally, um, you know what I advise customers is is don't overlook the security of your work at home employees' home networks. Uh, you know there are some simple best practices that they can apply to their home networks that will help to better insulate uh, the the work at home devices that are uh, deployed and, and connect to the internet through those work at home networks. Um, you know, for example. Uh, Having them change the default passwords on their home networking devices and ensuring the the firmware on those devices are up to date can be, uh, uh, you know, can be a, a kind of a huge um, win in, in improving the security of your work at home architecture. Lastly, there are some organizations that started to open incrementally over the summer and are still looking to do that over the next few months. What security considerations need to be taken for a workforce that may now be splitting time between home and the office? Well, that's that's certainly uh, something that organizations need to start thinking about um, if they haven't already. Uh, as enterprise starts shifting employees back to the office, uh, it is safe to assume that the attackers will once again shift gears uh, and try and take advantage of the seams created uh, by now having our employees, you know, some working at home, some in the office, some bouncing back and forth. Uh, you know, I, I already kind of shared what this means in terms of uh, phishing attempts and and new cyber threats that emerged as well. Um, and, and the continued importance of um, cyber, or, you know, uh, importance of uh, cybersecurity hygiene um, across your devices. Uh, but other things to consider are, you know, as people start coming back into the office, uh, you know, you're going to start uh, reconnecting devices that have been uh, work-at-home devices for the last, you know, six months uh, to your corporate networks. Uh, you know, your employees are going to come into the office. They're certainly going to want to bring the device that they've been using for the last six months into the office. Uh, you know, and that once again could be a corporate laptop, it could be a personally owned uh, device, it could be a mobile device, uh, but they're going to want to connect that device to the corporate network and either continue working from that device or at least be able to upload and sync all the files that they have on that device, uh, in, you know, into their corporate account. And, uh, you know, when they start to do this, the, the risk this poses really depends on how well those devices were secured and managed while they were being used to support work at home operations. Uh, you know, if the devices were corporately managed and you had, you know, you know, really robust endpoint protections, um, you know, they were configured to your corporate security policy, they were regularly updated and patched, uh, you know, they have robust antivirus and malware protection in place, you had your operations team, uh, security operations team kind of monitoring those devices remotely, then, you know, it would be a relatively low risk to reconnect those devices to the corporate network. Uh, however, if that was not the case, then you'll want to really think about and develop a process for how you safely reintroduce those devices or the data from those devices into your corporate networks. Um, and at a, at a minimum, you know, you want to ensure that the device software is up to date and the device is properly patched and, and the devices and, and data are free of malware before reconnecting to your network. Um, but, uh, you know, in my opinion, relying on uh, human processes to kind of go through this, uh, uh, you know, sort of IT health check is, is, is a little dangerous uh, because, you know, processes are, are, are prone to human error. So, uh, you know, I would recommend, uh, you know, that, that um, um, you know, our customers uh, deploy, uh, you know, uh, internal network sensors within their corporate network. Uh, you know, at Fidelis, we have our network traffic analysis, detection and response capabilities. But, um, you know, these sensors uh, deployed within your network will enable you to uh, detect and block uh, malware should a compromised device be accidentally reconnected to your networks. 
Um, and the key here when I talk about, uh, you know, internal uh, network sensors is, um, you know, uh, you know, having uh, the sensors within your network that can be able to uh, monitor the what I call east-west traffic moving, you know, kind of between your network devices. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you're relying on the, the sensors you have at your internet boundary, uh, you know, if one of these devices is, is plugged in and has malicious stuff on it, um, you know, your, your internet boundaries may not see this. So you have to make sure you have those internal um, sensors as well. Um, and then, um, you know, also uh, many folks, uh, you know, have used uh, Wi-Fi within their corporate environments. And, uh, you know, if employees are returning with devices that were connected to Wi-Fi before they left to, uh, due to the pandemic, uh, you know, those devices will automatically, uh, or a little likely automatically just reconnect to the network when they walk back into the office. Um, so, you know, they might want to think about changing the Wi-Fi uh, access point passwords uh, to be able to prevent, uh, you know, those Wi-Fi devices from connecting before you're ready for them to connect. Uh, make sure that you've gone through this kind of sanitization process before they reconnect. Um, and then another, uh, I'd say, major thing to think about is, uh, you know, kind of uh, what I refer to as corralling your data. Uh, you know, for the offices that have reopening or reopened or are planning to reopen, you know, it's a good time to kind of step back and assess your data management practices and policies and and corral the corporate and sensitive data that has been created, copied, shared, maintained on those work at home and mobile devices. Uh, you know, those those devices, uh, once the pandemic starts to loosen up here, those devices will become mobile again and uh, potentially exposing that sensitive data contained on those devices to loss or theft. Uh, you know, some things to consider, you know, is your uh, is your data encrypted at rest? Um, I, I prefer uh, encryption of the individual data objects versus uh, just uh, kind of brute force uh, data at rest disk encryption. Um, you know, so are they encrypted on your remote devices? Uh, is the data automatically backed up to your corporate servers or to a, you know, cloud-based storage service so that you um, continue to maintain a corporate record of all your critical data? Uh, do you have adequate monitoring on your endpoints to detect misuse by your employees or data exfiltration by an attacker if that device is compromised? Um, you know, these are all important considerations. Um, and uh, as previously suggested, it's, it's, it's really uh, never a bad idea to, to review your business workflows, and particularly those related to work-at-home employees uh, that required access to sensitive data. Validate that those workflows continue to meet your compliance and data protection rules and regulations and develop procedures for reintroducing any locally uh, stored data into the corporate environment. Wonderful. It's going to be an interesting next few months and an even year when it comes to data security. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining us today. Well, once again, it was my pleasure to join you, J.D., and you have a great day. Big thank you to Chris and Fidelis uh, for this week's show. As always, you can go to Fidelis.com to learn more. Tune in next time for CDM Media's Solution Spotlight.